And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm here with my good buddy, Ethan. Now, Ethan, let me tell you, I've been trying to work the trade machine to find any way I can to bring Kemba Walker to Detroit. But it wasn't happening. It wasn't working out. Can we find a place for Kemba to go today, Ethan? Oh, yes. We have found the perfect spot. And I think you're you're not trying hard enough. I have a feeling there's a Reggie Jackson for Kemba plus another thing and a pick. I think there's something to happen there, Richard. Yeah, I think you're giving up too easy. Well, I just I, I found things. It's just like, do, do they really want three, you know, I guess two more years of Reggie Jackson who's making more than Kemba? It, like, does that really I don't know. It felt like it was to kind of defeating the purpose a little bit. So um mm. I, I I wouldn't have accepted it if I were the Hornets, but you know. I, I, I'll do it. I mean, I'll do any trade that gives me that gives me Kemba. So off wax, I'll get you a trade that that's realistic, and All right. we'll, we'll we'll see how you feel about it. All right, good. And for the listeners, if you didn't know, we are doing the Charlotte Hornets state of the franchise today, um, and we'll also get to the Dallas Mavericks a little bit later. But uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, man, it has been it's been a rough season. You start off with Batum, you know, going out and starting the year injured. And then, you know, they get off to a terrible start. And then all of a sudden, okay, he's back, and they're still bad. So uh, where do we think they're going this year, Ethan? Um, they need to be going in the tank because that's what is reasonable and prudent. But when you have a team that's so close to the luxury tax, you really hate to see them playing so poorly. So Kimba Walker is their, like, lone uh, great trade asset. Um, you got some other ones that are decent. They need to be looking to sell, 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 try to get a pick, try to get an, a, a new opportunity to draft a franchise cornerstone and not spend it on guys like Frank Kaminsky, which is uh, a noted recent lottery pick. Yeah, I mean, for those who are thinking, well, you know, Charlotte's not that bad of a team. Are we sure they should be going the tank route? You know, they are essentially two and a half games better than the Chicago Bulls, who everyone noted as a you know tanking team at the beginning of the season. And, and so, yeah, that's obviously the direction they need to go. And, you know, since the rumors came out, you know, about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago that Kemba Walker could be traded, you know, people have been trying to work, work in things to move him and, and maybe initiate their tank job a little bit sooner. But then MJ comes out and is like, well, we, we want to we all-star for, for Kemba, which mm. doesn't really help a whole lot because is Kemba, does, did Kemba make the all-star team this year? Not this year. Not this year. So that's a little, little, little tricky there, MJ. But they are in a really weird situation. I, I, I guess I shouldn't say weird. They're in a bad situation right now. They're not good. And their contracts are just awful. I mean, Nicholas Batum by himself has to be you know, one of the worst contracts that, that's out there. Not, not because he's a bad player necessarily, just because how much money he's making over you know, three more years, $76 million, over $25 million a year. But he's not the only bad contract that they have, Ethan. Who else do they have that's just terrible? Well, on the borderline of bad contracts, you have a guy like Martin Williams getting paid $29 million over the next two years. A movable contract, but not a good one. He's he's He is slightly overpaid. Uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist getting $13 million uh, both years, the next two years, or 26 total. And then a Cody Zeller over the next three years getting paid $43 million. All three of those deals, less than ideal for the uh, for the state of the franchise. You'd like to see all all those guys can be respectable players, but just not for the money they're getting paid. 
Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned contracts like Dwight Howard because, you know, he's going to become an expiring contract next season. And so, you know, easier to move, you'd think, if you needed to, or, you know, if you just wait a year, he comes off the books. But, uh, you know, with all of these contracts where they're paying slightly more than they should, it all adds up. And, you know, like you said, they're about one one or two million away from the luxury tax. And why do you want to pay the luxury tax if you're MJ for a team that's just going to be bad? Yeah, it's the whole death by a thousand cuts thing that they got going on here. No, no one's on an incredibly terrible deal, but no one's on it. They have very, they have no players on a good deal, especially when you go deep on their in their box score and take a look at some of their guys on rookie scale contracts, like uh, Frank Kaminsky. Like he's just not performing, even though he's cheap, he's not performing. Like a like a Malik Monk who just hasn't found his footing in the NBA yet. Jeremy Lamb might be the only value contract getting paid seven million dollars um, over the next two years, this year and next. Everyone else on their roster is is very young and unproven. Like the, the thing that they have one contract that's worth his salt is a. Uh, is not is not what you want when you're building a franchise. Well, I mean, you get two. You have, you have oh, Kemba as well. I mean, Kemba's contract is great, and so that's one of the things that makes the, a trade for him really interesting. It's like, well, he's not a bad contract. He's actually on a really good contract, and so maybe if you can, you know, find the right money and bring in, you know, a couple of those any contract, not Nicholas Batum, then you know it really intrigues you uh, if you're working with the trader scene. Now, Ethan. I do have one more bad contract that I want to throw out there. And I know we were debating before the podcast, is it possible to have a bad contract on a one-year deal? And I think that the Charlotte Hornets have one. Michael Carter-Williams, just because he's bad. (laughs) (laughs) 2.7 million just going down the drain with Michael Carter-Williams. I'm not going to lie, Richard. Um, People might not know this, but I have a big soft spot in my heart for Michael Carter-Williams. Because there's just something about a six six point guard that can't shoot that I'm drawn to for some reason, and I don't know why it is, but he's always been my one of my favorite like backup point guards for two K because I know I can just post him up, and unlike in real life, he'll make his layups. Yeah, and I mean he both played that Syracuse you know zone that that I love so much, and so that that's about the only soft spot I have for him. Yeah, sharing a court with Dion Waiters, maybe I don't recall. <laughs> We're just gonna imagine it. <laughs> um, but so yeah, they they're in a really bad situation. Over the next two years, you have this year and next year, they're one million away from the perceived luxury tax. Which in, next year it's ridiculous because they only you know they're that's when they don't have someone like Michael Carter Williams or Johnny O'Brien or you know Trevin Graham or Marcus you know some of those people that they don't have on their they're losing those people because they're in the last year of their deal and they're still their their money is going up. And so they have even less room against luxury tax. So they're going to have to make a trade at some point. Otherwise they're not going to be able to field a roster of 15. Yeah. So what, what do we say? We say we send the, send all the Zellers back to Indiana. Yes. I like yes. that idea. That's, that's a move start. All, move all of them and the Plumleys to, can we have all of them on the same team? <laughs> um, you know, when everyone is zigging for threes and a good defense, I think this is the time for the Pacers to sag and go all hustle. in with hustle with seven foot hustle guys. Yep. Oh man, can can we bring back? Oh, oh man, what's his face? Oh man, I cannot remember. Just the epitome of 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 that like tall white guy who can't. Power Hansborough. 
Yeah, there it was. Yep, there yeah. it was. I was going to go Austin Crozier after that, but that, that was going back a little too far. Oh, man. Indiana's actually in a good spot. We, we don't need to make yeah. them, you know, suffer a little bit. Uh, no, a we're bit, we're right? just cracking jokes on tall whites. <laughs> so with all these bad contracts, who do we think, like, after all said and done, you know, obviously they're, they're thinking about moving Kemba Walker away. Who else would be – who would be their core players after this, Ethan? Well, Malik Monk needs to be – part of the future and he need. i don't know what the what the issue is with him if you know steve clifford's being a a hard coach or whatever on him trying to like draw something out of him he's just not thriving but he needs to be the key to this team going forward he needs to be the one that develops into a star whether whether a superstar who knows you know kimba had a slow start to his career if we all remember correctly um, but he needs to be the guy on this team um frank kaminsky still on that rookie skill deal you know, some guys, like we said, they 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 grow, they learn how to play in the NBA a little later. He's still got you still got to believe that he can be part of this franchise going forward. And then oh, well, the ahead, problem, Richard. the problem though, is that you know he's not super super young anymore. No, I mean, not. he he you know, he was one of those guys coming out of college who he wasn't a one and done guy. He was he stayed at Wisconsin for a bit, and so you know you you got to think it's like. Have we seen the best Frank Kaminsky can offer? I mean, maybe not, but I think we're 80% of the best. And so, I, you know, obviously MJ loved him coming out and wouldn't wouldn't trade him to Boston when Boston really wanted Justice Winslow. Could have had could have had the Brooklyn pick, I think, right? Good at man, Danny, some picks. I don't know how many, but a lot. Danny Ainge, man, getting lucky on the trades he doesn't make. Um. So, yeah, I mean, those two for sure you would have to imagine are in their plans just because, you know, they're, they're the younger guys that they've gotten in the lottery. Right. And the last two, based purely on length of contract and unlikely ability to move off them, one Cody Zeller and Nicholas Batum are part of the Charlotte Hornets core for the, the future. That's so sad. <laughs> That's so sad, man. Oh man, yeah. There's no way Nicholas Batum isn't going to be on Charlotte for at least two years after this year. I mean, maybe maybe in that third because he has a player option at the end of think, all of that. Twenty-seven. I think he'll take twenty-seven million for you know whatever he does. But oh man, yeah, he's he's there for at least at least that many more years. And Cody Zeller. Nope. No options, but he's just signed for the next three years after this at approximately 15 million. So yeah, goodness, less than a palatable in my eyes. Yeah. And so they, they are a team who's just in a really bad salary cap spate, you know, situation over the next two years. And it just depends. What do they, what do they want to do? If, if it were, if it were me, I mean, they have all their picks as well. If it were me, you know, you're, you're not going to be good for the next couple of years. You know, Kemba Walker is 27. And so after those, you know, a couple of years, he'll be 29. Is that, I don't know, is, is that too, can, can you hold on to him for those, for those couple of years? Or do you, do you really have to move on from him so you can move off of some of these contracts so you can really just hit the reset button? Even? I think it's important to just, to like, just go ahead and send him out. I, 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 I genuinely believe that it's it's come to the point that you can't you can't just be here middling 
with Kimba Walker when you have him at such a value. If you wait even a year and he becomes a literal one-year rental for a team, like with no promise of being able to resign him, that that is a failure on your part as a general manager not to get value when value is present. This team's not a playoff team anymore. I still like their coach, Steve Clifford, but you're not a playoff team. You need to find a way to restart the tank. And uh, Kimba's got to be the piece that uh, you send out. And you know what? If if, if what, what happens next is, you, you know, that forces Monk to play more and he becomes a better player for it, I think that's a, a, a nice a nice little bonus to uh to getting your picks better. Yeah, it's you have to make a decision this year before the trade deadline. You either have to trade him or you've got to just keep him through it all because you're not going to be able to trade him next year at a reduced level. I mean, that would just really be bad management and someone should get fired if they do that. Uh, so you've got to make the decision this year. And if, if it's what we're thinking, trade Kemba, move off of some of these contracts. Um, if you, if there's any deal out there w- where someone is willing to take on Nicholas Batum for literally anything, um, then you jump on that, but more than likely it's going to, re- it's going to involve, you know, one, one of the other guys, Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, and then you throw in. You know, you throw in Kemba because he's he's the price you have to pay, and you hit the reset. Would Would you like to hear a possible trade, Richard? I would love to hear a possible trade. What What do you have? This is including the Cleveland Cavaliers Ooh, as a uh, Kemba destination. The Cavaliers will receive Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and Kemba Walker, and they will send the Hornets Tristan Thompson, Channing Fry, Isaiah Thomas, and mm. Eric Rose. Now, Richard, my thought process behind this trade is between the Marvin Williams and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Kemba Walker, that is a grand total of $38 million per year. And after this trade that you make with the Cavs, you will only be retaining $16.4 million per year. This, this Hornets team has luxury tax concerns. Tristan Thompson's big contract, while not appealing, is only $3 million in Marvin Williams or uh, Michael K. Gilchrist alone and allows you to get off both of them at the same time. And Fry, Thomas, and Rose all expire. If you want to be a fool and pay Isaiah Thomas, you have that option now. Um, I'm not saying that because Isaiah Thomas might not be good again. I'm just saying you don't want this as part of your team. But I think this is a good deal to make. I think the Cavs could sweeten it with their own first-round pick. I don't think they need to dip into the Brooklyn sweepstakes for this one. I think their own first round picks, which would be somewhere between um, 24 and 20 and 20. I think that would suffice as a, a good pick to sweeten this deal. You're only retaining $60 million of salary. What say you, Richard? The only thing with this one is obviously, you know, Cleveland for Cleveland, it obviously has to improve things this year. I mean, it's got You get a Kemba Walker who has, who's has the ability to play some defense. So, you know, what what a thing there. You can get Kemba there. Michael K. Gilchrist obviously would improve defensively and give you a body to throw at, you know, the Warriors if, if you need to. Obviously, he doesn't bring much offense. But, you know, you can, with someone like him, if he's in, it can change. You can, like, initiate a different style. Have some of that, you know, slower LeBron grind, you know, like you had in the first in the first um, showing of those two teams playing against each other, and I like Marvin Williams. I like him 
as a fit on this team. Uh, I, I think I just like him better. 13 million is, you know, it's 13 million, but honestly, it's not a terrible contract if you are playing on a team that matters. And so I, I would like that if I were them. The only thing is like Cleveland, you are from this deal gaining about seven more million dollars from this. And that when you are already over the luxury tax line, that makes you have to pay a serious, serious bill. And Dan Gilbert has already been rumored to maybe be willing to sell the team, maybe. And so, yeah, interesting uh, there. I do, I do like it for them. You know, if we're just looking at players only, I like, I like this deal. Um, my and like this is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Marvin Williams for Channing Fry in terms of put minutes. Like he, can, Marvin Williams can take more minutes and be just as effective in those minutes. With, excuse me, with the uh, three point shooting. And um, he'll be he'll be a better defender. Oddly enough, I'm looking at Michael Kidd Gilchrist as a uh, Jay Crowder replacement because Jay Crowder has been terrible this year. And I actually have already worked out a secondary deal with the uh, Hawks to bring in Dwayne Dedman for Jay Crowder to uh, replace the center position. Now, obviously, I don't know why the Hawks would do that necessarily. I don't know why the Hawks would do that either. <laughs> unless they're going to get like a you know a second round pick or something. I I had to look at all of the Cavs resources. Hold on, what which pick did you say was going over to the um to Charlotte in this trade? The the 2019 Cavs or 2018 this year's Cavs pick. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Anyway, that was just a thought process to replace the center position. You could probably find something somewhere else as well. But yeah. anyway, like that's that's my general idea. Um, I'm bad. You know, you know, Richard. Like, if if you had to, like, like I don't know. There's not really any other one year deals, but like, could could you send back a Jay Crowder? But that would, or is that too much? If you're the Cavs, like, you need to retain that body just for pure like bodies to throw at Kevin Durant. Uh, Here's the thing, right? If I'm if I'm Cleveland, um, I'm not worried about not having enough centers. Um, because if you get those centers, they cannot play on the floor when you're playing the Warriors. If you get to the Warriors, obviously, that's that's the next biggest thing. But like, if you're Cleveland, you can't play to beat Boston or to beat uh, Toronto. You've got to play to beat the Warriors, because if you don't beat the Warriors, it doesn't matter anyways. No, if you don't win the title, it does not matter anyway. So, so play to beat the team that you think you're going to play in the finals if you get there. And I think that you know not having a center... Who cares? Like, I don't need another body to throw at Zaza Pachulia. Like, <laughs> so I need more of these three, four guys who I can throw on the playmakers of, um, you know, I, I can throw at the Warriors. And so I like this trade. I don't think I really care about a center. I'm sure you can pick someone off the scrap heap. If you're not worried about money, I'm, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be some centers coming available mm-hmm. uh, near the trade deadline that are going to get bought out. So, you know, I, I think that's okay. I do have a trade, though, uh, my own Kemba Walker trade that does not involve the Pistons. So uh, it involves my second favorite team, the Utah Jazz. <laughs> uh, the, the Utah Jazz, um, you know, ha- have had a little bit of a, you know, they've had an injury-plagued season. You know, they've had Gobert go down a couple of times. They've, they've suffered through, you know, many s- smaller injuries that just have accumulated to them not having a very good season, even though they have my my son, Donovan Mitchell. Now, they've been rumored to be willing to get rid of Rodney Hood. And Derek Favors is in the last year of his contract. And so, what if I package those two guys, along with Ricky Rubio, 
to, to make the salaries work. And Ricky Rubio has, after this year, just one more year of about 14, 15 million. Package all three of those guys to, to Charlotte, and Utah brings on Kemba Walker and Marvin Williams. What do you think about that? Um, I like it in terms of the player movement. Again, I had to wonder what what's the incentive aside from money that the Hornets are getting there. That's that's my one question. I mean, you're able to get, obviously Rodney Hood plays the same position as you know, you know, Malik Monk, and so that's not super great. But basically, you're you're moving off of money. I guess in a trade like this, you might want to move off of more money than than just Marvin Williams's contract. Maybe you'd want to you know move off of. Um, Zeller's contract as well, or or Michael Kidd Gilchrist also, but in this situation, it does clear up at least initially. I think it clears up four, fourteen million, which I think is more than the the Cleveland trade that you that you proposed. Now nah, it's about the same. It's about the same. They clear off fourteen million each, and but then you you have Ricky Rubio only for another year after that. So I guess you clear off the money quicker. It's just a different way of looking at it. So, I mean, yeah, I, 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 like, I like the players I'm getting back from 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 Charlotte better. I mean, here's the thing about Ricky Rubio: with a player like him as your point guard, he he's like in the TJ McConnell vein. Like he's going to set up your other players really well, and so while they may not be that great, it helps you know what you have in your other players. Like. It helps you figure out, okay, Robert Covington is a really good player. He can shoot threes over there because he's being set up by TJ McConnell. If you have him, you can actually figure out what you have in Malik Monk and in some of your other guys maybe who you'll want to develop that maybe you just don't know about that much. So I think having someone like Rubio on a bad team, it's actually helpful because you can figure out who's actually valuable, who can we, who should we move off of. Right. The one, My one problem with this trade in general is, is you're giving – like. Um, you're taking on, like, if you're the Jazz and the Hornets here, if you're the Jazz, I think you could get a, a, a better suitor to trade for favors and hood because both those guys can be productive NBA players on a very solid playoff team. And if you're moving those in just a salary dump, I think the Jazz can do better in terms of a salary. Like, take, I think they could get mm. better for those, it, like, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And if you're the Hornets, you, 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 like if you make this trade, right there is your three best players on your team all of a sudden, and you're going to be asked to let two of them walk. So you have yeah. out. Like that's that's my little huh? like, like just it doesn't make sense to trade for three your new three best players and let them all and let two of them walk. Yeah, you know? and, and and now lo- looking at it, it's like, well, is this actually going to make Charlotte worse? I don't know if it will. I mean, no. according, according to the trade machine, they're going to get four wins worse, but. Like, you know, that, that's just the Kemba bump. But I think yeah. I think Ricky Rubio could get the most out of a uh, Dwight Howard, maybe even more so yeah. than Kemba. Like not because, like not because of like he wouldn't be the scoring have the scoring ability, but he would definitely like be setting him and favors up. You'd now have uh, forty eight minutes of competent center play at center between H- uh, Howard and Favors, and then Hood is probably be- is better than any guard wing you have. I mean, like. Talent-wise, this trade makes a lot of sense in terms of moving of parts. I think the salary uh, setups don't make very much sense because you're if you're you're basically asking the Hornets to let their two new brightest assets leave at the end of the season. That's my that's my one uh, flaw in this trade. Yeah, yeah, it's just 
with, with with both of these trades, it's like you know Charlotte. Obviously, the direction they need to go is they need to get bad. They need to get a top. They need to get a top pick. And all these teams that we're mentioning in our state of the franchise at the beginning here, they're all teams that need to aim to get a high lottery pick. And with both of these trades, you know they get they might get players that might hurt that. But I mean Isaiah Thomas bringing him in semi, you know, coming off of injury, you would think that you would get worse as a whole. Uh, bringing in Isaiah Thomas and change than you would if you're bringing in Ricky Rubio, Derek Favors, and Rodney Hood. So you win this round of NBA trade machine, Ethan. And hmm. uh, well, I feel like that's a reoccurring theme on this uh, podcast. Well, well, just just you wait till I till I throw out my my next one for the Dallas Mavericks. But oh well, speaking of the Mavericks, Richard, let's go right to them. Let's do Their it. Season outlook that what they're doing this year. Um, they're not very good. Um, they're at the bottom of the standings. They're doing the Dennis Smith Jr. show, trying to get him um, elevated and make him uh, prove uh, worth his salt. Um, Solomon Measury is uh, t- picking fights with people, and Carlisle's telling <laughs> him to get out of the game. Oh, that was funny. That was um, super funny. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot going on for the the Mavericks that is on the positive end. Other than I think Dennis Smith Jr. has shown enough promise that you're you're very happy with getting him at the ninth pick. Well, here's what I think I'm I'm really enjoying with the Mavericks is like they're doing this like being bad very well. Like they they aren't breaking the bank. They right now have eighty six eighty seven million dollars of cap space tied up this year. That is super low. Yeah, I mean, I have have they reached What's the floor? Is the, have, they, have they reached the floor yet? I I don't know why I have a I have in my brain that the floor is ninety percent of the sal like what is what, what the salary cap is. So I think they they're gonna have to pay up like three million plus like around three point two million dollars to get to the floor. If I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. Like I'm not an expert in that regard. Yeah, it's I mean last year um no last year the salary cap floor was eighty four. So maybe million. they're there. So. So maybe you know, they're probably there. So honestly, they're playing it right. They're at the floor. They don't have contracts that are going to be um, hurting them that much. I mean, they're bad contracts. We have listed as are Harrison Barnes and Dwight Powell. You know, Harrison Barnes basically about twenty five million a year. Dwight Powell, you have him. You know, at ten million a year over the next couple of years. That's that's not even that terrible, honestly. Like, like that's not a bad situation when Harrison Barnes, obviously your best player. If he's your bad contract, but I don't know. I, I feel like they're in a really good situation as far as cap base goes. They have a lot of people who are going to be leaving after this year. A lot, um, a lot of people leaving, but none of them are really worth much. I mean, none of them have a whole lot of promise. I mean, Nerlens Noel is the only, but he really hasn't worked out in Dallas like they hoped. That's been a little bit of a sad development for me. I thought he fit well in in there, but uh, Rick Carlisle apparently does not care for Nerlens Noel. No, unfortunately. Um, I mean, you have Seth Curry, who's, you know, interesting just because he can shoot. Has but he played this year? I, I I, maybe not much. And so, I, I mean, they, they don't have anyone really worth worth anything who's going to be leaving. So, they're, they're in an a interesting situation. I, I, I think Wesley Matthews is not that great of a situation for them, but you know, at, at this point in time, you're already bad. You're already one of the, the three to four worst teams in the league and you don't need to do much to tank. You are already tanking. So that I think you're set up really nicely. If you are the Dallas Mavericks. 
Right. And um, Wesley Matthews' value is going to increase next year when he's an expiring contract. So maybe, like, I think you, you ride it out within this year, unless some team offers you something you can't refuse. And uh, you look to move him when someone's looking to clear up cap space next year. Maybe you can, like, maybe next year you'll be in the market for, like, a favors and, and hood trade. You know that that's something right. that it could like like those players not specifically yeah not, yeah, not those but players but that that type, of, that type of trade where you're saying all right we're going to trade for these two relatively young guys bring them into our our facility and let's mold them to be the next decent to good really good Mavs team along with like pairing them with Dan Smith and Harrison Barnes like that this is a team that would actually benefit from maybe trading for those two players if they had the uh, the resources to do so. Right. And, you know, they've also been able to somehow keep Dirk Nowitzki around for five million a year. Man. Yeah. Just hanging out, cashing checks. <laughs> yeah. Small checks. But, you know, he's, you know, the lifer there. And, you know, they love him over there in Dallas. Yep. Their core players Dennis Smith Jr., Harrison Barnes, and, uh, and Dirk one Nowitzki. Of those- Oh, yeah. And Dirk. Yeah, Dirk. And Harrison Barnes, if someone offered something for him, he would be out of there in a minute, I think. I think they're happy to have him, but I, I don't think they're, like, hell-bent on retention. Yeah, they're, they're, they're okay with, with having him around there. And they own all of their first-round picks, which is a good thing. So I, you know, I think they're just pretty much going to stand, stand pat. You know, if, if someone offers them a trade that they can't refuse, like you said, then they'll make it. But – they're already in a situation where they are, you know, they, they've only won 16 games. The worst team in the league, uh, we got the Hawks and the Magic at 14, the Kings at 15, and then it's them. And so uh, they just need to make sure that they don't accidentally win uh, too many too many games over the next few, you know, over the next right. few weeks. Let's, let's not let's not inverse tank your your draft pick here. Yeah. You know, I want to bring up a point here with the Mavericks. Um. Two years ago, or two, summer of 2016, when all the bad contracts went out, Dwight Powell being one of them by definition, Harrison Barnes, you know, you can argue, because he, uh, yeah. he was part of that Golden State trade that enabled uh, Durant to go there. Um, here's the thing. I want to compare two teams, the Mavericks and the Blazers. One team had a bunch of old guys that didn't require huge extensions and long-term bad money contracts. And one team had a bunch of young players that all needed to get paid at the same time, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So what happened with the Blazers? And then they also reached for Evan Turner. You know, the Mavericks didn't have any youth to pay except for Dwight Powell. You can see yep. his contract, very similar to one Myers Leonard. But there's no other bad contracts on this on this roster. They didn't reach for an Evan Turner. They didn't like pay everyone else too much money. Like they didn't they didn't match an Alan Crab contract, which like proved to be bad enough that they traded him back to, to the team who sent him the big contract. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to make that note is like, Hey, the Mavericks, they, they had a vision of what they wanted to do. Once they decided to go with Harrison Barnes, they put enough town around to maybe play pretty well. It didn't work out. And they slid back into the tank looking for their next Dirk team, Dirk guy to like bring them to the promised land and back to NBA prominence. Whereas some teams really uh, bungled their cap situation and put themselves back and put themselves in a hole trying to dig out of. Yeah. And I mean, it, again, not, not just to mention Dirk's contract again, it's like, I don't know how you Jedi mind trick, you know, your best player at the time to be like, you know, let's just take 5 million a year. Just, just do that. Uh, obviously, um, 
that that's super helpful in this regard. Otherwise, they'd probably be in a similar bad cap space situation if he was really taking what um, you know he probably deserved as far as a contract at, at that point in time. But you're right; they're not. They're in a, in a great spot. You know, they can hopefully draft a, a top level guy to pair with um, you know Dennis Smith Jr. And once you do that, you have the the makings, and you'll have the cap space to bring in some guys uh, on on good deals because they'll want to be there. Dallas right. is a great is a great place, and I think it, you know in a couple of years they're going to be right back in it. And I'm sorry to everyone out there who who listened to me and thinking you know maybe Dallas could could make a run at the uh, playoff. They, they've been a tough out sometimes. Sometimes they they fought pretty well in games, but no, it, they they they're tanking. Well, I'm going to blame that on Seth Curry and Josh McRoberts not playing any games. Those are two key pieces in this in this uh, team that Richard thought was going to be good, and those yeah. two haven't played. Yeah, sorry for checking you, Ethan. Speaking of Josh McRoberts, oh, just so mad that he he didn't get the opportunity to be what Kelly Olynyk's doing for the Heat right now because that that was that that's Josh McRoberts' role right there, and poor guy never was healthy when he played for the Heat. And there yeah. it is, everyone. I mentioned the Heat. There it is. Um, so I have one trade that that I think Dallas uh, could make. Um, it's it's pretty simple, not a whole lot going on, um, but. With the more recent news that, you know, Boogie Cousins down with an Achilles, uh, not great. Sorry, Boogie, heal up. Um, the Pelicans are in an interesting situation being at the sixth seed. And, you know, we have Anthony Davis. You want to, you know, convince him that he he wants to be there. And so what could you do? Send Erlen Noel back to the Pelicans. He thought he was going there anyways on draft night. Uh, trade him to the Pelicans. Dallas Mavericks can get back um, was it Alex Agensa and Alexia Agensa. Alexia, I'm sorry. You know what? Who cares? He, he when, you get, when you get no minutes, who cares? Yeah. The salaries are about even. Um, Agensa makes a little bit more than he does, but that's fine because you know the Mavericks can afford to to pay that little amount. It's two years, but he's a you know backup worthless center. You can have those guys on your roster if you don't have too many, and I think that this would work as long as the Pelicans throw in a first rounder this year. Um, otherwise, there's not a whole lot of incentive for the Maverick. There's no incentive for the Mavericks to do that because Nolan Noel would be, you know, expiring. But if you're Dallas, Agents' contract is not something that's going to hurt you. Um, bring him in, bring in a first rounder, and have the protections on it, you know, be. Top ten, let's say. Fair enough. Like I think, I think you don't want to give. Like we talked about this before we hit record. That you said lottery protected, and I said, well, um, if you're the Pelicans and you're in that eight seed, and Anthony Davis is like you know kind of crutching along, so to speak, as he's getting worn down by carrying the team so much. What what incentive do you have to stay in the eight seed just to get waxed when you can just slide backslide and? Um, yeah. yeah, so I think top ten is the right spot where they wouldn't they would they would have to actually follow the playoffs and be completely out of contention for them to backslide all the way there. And I think right. that that's probably the right number, maybe even top eight if I don't know what they do with things. But yeah, yeah I, th- I think I, th- I think once you get to top ten, like it's going to be hard to get into that ten because by that time there's going to be so many teams that are trying to tank and fitting in there. It'll be hard if you've been going after the eight seed to really back into into that spot. So yeah, I think, I think top 10 would be, would be good. Obviously the lottery, you know, ping pong balls can do whatever they want, but uh, I think that that would be a 
good move for the Pelicans to try to do something. And, and you know, they've got to make a decision on what to do with, with Boogie at the end of this year. Maybe if New Orleans Noel comes in and, you know, you pair him with Anthony Davis, like many people thought they would at, you know, at the beginning of New Orleans Noel's career, maybe it turns out to be something that, that looks pretty nice. And, and maybe you can, maybe you just say, well, sorry, Boogie, that the whole thing didn't work. I don't know. It gives them at least a little bit of hope this year to make the playoffs, which I think the Pelicans would like to do. And I, I guess gives just gives them slightly more options. And I'd much rather have New Orleans Noel than Alexia Agensa. Yeah, you would. I think everyone would. Yeah. Um, here's a here's a, a dumb trade that's not going to happen. Um, the Ma- the Mavericks send Wesley Matthews and New Orleans Noel to the Milwaukee Bucks for John Henson and Jabari Parker. <laughs> that's, um, a, that's a uh, Jabari Parker's not coming back kind of move, but yeah, that's yeah, that's like, just the like, top. Like, I, I'm I'm always trying to find the next Jabari Parker landing spot place because I don't know. I just I kind of just have a feeling his time with the Bucks is coming to an end very soon. Yeah, yeah, I I'd, I'd agree there. But well, Ethan, have we reached have we reached the end? Yeah. I uh, so yeah, the, the only other thing is I've I've reworked the Aaron Gordon trade. If I've, I want to share that with the the people, they're still trying to get Aaron Gordon to Portland because I think that's the trade that needs to happen. So I'm gonna run through that. Go ahead, and uh, where then we'll we'll go out with the Hero Ball Code of the Week. So the new updated Aaron Gordon trade, very similar pieces involved, but this is a little bit more inclusive. Uh, we add a third team to this deal now. The Trailblazers are gonna receive Dwayne Dedman from the Hawks, Irsan Ilyasova from the Hawks and Aaron Gordon from the Magic. The Magic will receive Marco Bellinelli, an expiring contract, and Zach Collins, a rookie, from the Blazers. The Hawks will receive Evan Turner in salary cap dump from the Blazers, and Noah Vonley as an expiring, plus the chance that he could develop into something. Send him into Hawks University, give him a chance. The Hawks will receive a first-round pick from the Blazers, and the Magic will receive a first-round pick from the Blazers. Um, and they also get Zach Collins in the trade. Uh, Richard, what say you? Is is the Evan Turner contract too unpalatable for the Hawks to make this work? Yeah, yeah. If I'm the Hawks, I I don't. I'm not trying to facilitate anything that's going to give me get me more money. I mean, first round pick is nice, but if I could trade some of those other guys for just second round picks, you know, I I would I would anticipate the trailblazers being a a good team and that pick not being super, you know, not being super great. And so I I would rather not do that if I were the Hawks. Um, Also, if I, if I am the, the magic, like if I'm moving off of Aaron Gordon, like that, that was, that was basically there at a crossroads. Do we do do that? um, Or do we try to stick it out with him? If I'm do if I'm getting rid of him, I also want to move off of one of the big contracts of the centers that I have. I want to get off of Biombo where I want to get off of, you know, uh, Vucevic. And so I like the first one better from Orlando standpoint, because you get off of Biombo and, and, and that's what made it worth it for me to, to say, okay, let's go ahead and reset this uh, sell high with Aaron Gordon being able, you know, bring in some of the young guys. And so I like that one better personally. I, I know that, Right. You just really want to move Evan Turner. You, you're thinking from Portland's perspective. You're like, oh, this is nice for I Portland. Am. And and so, yes, it is. And, and nice for 
the the magic. They get a yeah. new young they get a new young center that's going to play with Jonathan Isaac going forward. Um, because of your two young like futures of your franchise, you you can afford to like take the, bite the bullet with Biombo and Vooch. You can probably move one of them for like just you know some other player. I, I, I can I can bite the bullet with Vooch. I don't know if I can do it with Biombo though. Biombo well, Biombo is the harder one to get off, and no one wants him. Uh, yeah, he's please. And the reason I thought the Hawks might not mind this is because they're already going to be paying Plumley and Bazemore two more years. And so then that's just adding Turner to the mix. Like you're not going to be in free agency anyway because um, your team's not going to be good enough to like attract somebody. So Turner will still be expiring like the, a year before Collins and Schroeder uh, uh, are up for their extensions. I think it's one of those things you take on the bad side. They all come off at the same time. You look to add through the draft and then you sign a free agency, a free agent with the uh, promising young players as uh, a lure. So does does Evan, does Evan Turner help you win more games this year though? Um, I've watched him play a lot in Portland. I really don't think so. Okay, well maybe maybe he maybe he can be you know a good player on a bad team, and that that's just the only thing you got to worry about for for him. I don't know if he would he would become that. I don't know. I think that's what we thought Kent Bazemore could be, and he hasn't done it either. So yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get out of here then, Ethan. Uh, let's jump out of here with our hero ball quote of the week. We're going to go to Dirk for this one. Uh, good old Dirk. He, here's, what he, here's what he said. He said, I think I can always shoot threes. I think I can shoot threes when I'm 60. 